Hello again, this is Noah and John from Urban Digs, and we are talking Manhattan, and today we're with Dimitri Schmundoff. Hi, guys. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> of course. Dimitri is a private mortgage banker at Wells Fargo, and I have known you for how long? 12 years. 12 years. Yeah, since the early days of Urban Digs. Did I have hair back then? Uh, you definitely had more hair, and so did I, <laughs> by the way. I noticed somebody else saying okay. that. Yeah. I was going to say, you actually kept your hair. So right. your market must have not been as stressful as mine. Yeah, it, it was definitely stressful, and I kept as much of it as I could. <laughs> you, you definitely lost more. Right. Thanks for being here. It's great to see you. Um, you. I wanted to bring a lender um, into this 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 podcast, what we're talking about here is street level um, knowledge of what's going on in Manhattan real estate and to extract insights of what you're seeing. Um, usually we get agents talking about what's going on, but today I want to talk about the loan side. Sure. So um, let's just start off really quick with how is the mortgage market today and how does it relate to, let's just go back to the, a decade ago when the crisis was, like what's the difference? Sure. Uh, well, I guess the, the difference is pretty big. Uh, Back, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when me and you just started or we just started working together, uh, it, was a, it was a much different interest rate environment. Mm -hmm. It was higher than where we are today. Right. Um, credit was tight. Right. Uh, there were very few deals that were actually transacting. Uh, not a lot of people were buying. Because this is the height of the crisis. This is the height of the crisis. Right. We were in, uh, you know, a, uh, a, pr a pretty bad time. Yeah, it was a once and, in a generation right, type thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, now it's very much different. Uh, now uh, credit's available. Mm -hmm. Interest rates are historically low. Right. Um, it's just a bit of more of a buyer's market than it is a seller's market. Right. Uh, two years ago, uh, three years ago, it was a great time. Right. Uh, you know, rates were down. Uh, that was when rates were at their historic lows, right? Historic, uh, yeah, you know, 2012, I would say, was probably the sort of uh, valley uh, when it comes to interest rates. But, uh, you know, three years ago was when the uh, deal flow in Manhattan mm -hmm. specifically was uh, high. Right. Um, there were bidding wars. Right. Um, there were low interest rates. Uh, credit was available. And everyone wanted a house right. or an apartment or a condo or a car. Right. Uh, nowadays, um, with the correction in the stock market, um, so did the volume of deals. Right, um, right. I believe they came down. Even though, um, it's a bit of a paradox, uh, interest rates are still like I said, historically low. Right. I mean, we hear a lot that um, buyers are just pausing, and one of the reasons is because rates are higher. Mm -hmm. And let's just be clear of what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about a rate of maybe 3.5% moving to a rate of, what, 4? Right. 4 and a quarter. Right, exactly. Let's say let's say it's even 100 basis point movement, so 1%. Right. And for people that, that don't know, 100 mm -hmm. basis point is 1 full percent. Is 1 full okay. percent. So uh, let's use an example. So let's, let's use your example. So from 3.5%, the rates moved up to 4.5%. Right. When I started out in this industry, which was 12 years ago, mm -hmm. uh, rates were at 6, 6.5%, right. 7% even at one point. And we were peaking then. And they were peaking right. at that point. Uh, but if you go back even further, I hear, and I'm sure your parents and uh, other people's parents say this all the time, but... Yeah. You know, rates were at fourteen percent at one yeah. point. We're we're historically we're still very much low. Yeah. And uh, and 
there should be deals transacting. Right. Um, it's not, so a it's, rate, not a, it's not a rate thing. It's it's not. I mean, people are not transacting because rates are, are high. That's not a problem. Right. It's just. It's. I think that's one of like six things going on in buyers' minds right now. Right. I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and mortgage rates are probably the least of the things people are uncertain about. But right. uh, it, it just adds a little bit of uncertainty. But you know, when we talk about the market, we talk about the high ends doing one thing, the you know the middle market's doing one thing, the low ends doing one thing, condos are doing their thing, co-ops are doing their thing. Sure. Do you see the same thing? Uh, in the mortgage market for buyers coming in, like different different neighborhoods, different pockets, because you see a lot of deal flow coming across your desk. Absolutely, and yeah, there's definitely uh, there's definitely different uh, varieties of deals, just like you said. Uh, I would say uh, Manhattan right now is uh, pretty soft, uh, mm-hmm. as I'm sure a lot of your uh, viewers and past agents have said. Um, but the interesting thing is that the outer boroughs, mm-hmm. they're not as soft. Right. And I think that, to your point, is due to largely a uh, lower price point in some areas right. and uh, some buyers being okay with uh, paying a little bit less. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> are, are, are buyers of $3 million, $4 million, and $5 million mortgages, is it tough to get money in that sector versus under a million right now? Or is there any differences going on there? Or it's, it's pretty open across the spectrum? I would say it's pretty open. Look, you know, the higher that you go in price point, the lower typically that you are in leverage right so uh you you see you know uh a two million dollar uh condo buyer would mm-hmm. probably get 80 percent financing right um a six million dollar buyer you know off the top of my head would probably get somewhere closer to 70 percent financing gotcha. depending on deal and yeah. uh the right. approval etc and what about the whole process in terms of what they're looking for from an underwriting perspective has that has that loosened up a little from from nine ten years ago when the market seized up Absolutely. Uh, Look, you know, uh, I guess you could answer that question in different ways because when I got into the the industry, it was 2006 and uh, there were different products available at that point. Interest only was available to everyone and uh, you had uh, very loose credit, yeah, et cetera, all those types of Mm -hmm. things. Nowadays, they they don't exist. And nowadays, lenders are much smarter. Um, We are, we have to, always document how a borrower will repay our loan. Right, right. And we have to issue great loans. Uh, and, and for that reason, um, a purchaser of, uh, let's say, a $2 million mm-hmm. uh, condo or co-op or single-family home, uh, we, we will lend 80% to them, uh, sometimes even higher, but uh, we they have to qualify right, and, right. and we make sure that they do. Yeah. Right. And there's, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, on the agent side of things, there's a lot of, you know, the, the mortgage process is a bit opaque. We don't understand as agents, like what necessarily happens. We understand, Hey, you, you, you show us your records and then you, you get this loan, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that happen that we don't understand. There's a lot of pitfalls, which a lot of agents think, Oh my God, this is the end of the world. This deal is falling apart because the, the mortgage is becoming difficult. They're asking for so many things. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could shed some light on things that, that um, from your point of view are no big deal, but a lot of agents think that, uh, or consumers think, oh my gosh, this, 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 is, this, is, this, is, this is trouble ahead. <laughs> right. I would say, um, generally speaking, uh, you know, the, the number one question that I get is, or, 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 or a comment that I get is, hey, uh, the commitment letter is expiring. Um, what's going on? Uh, are we going to be okay, et cetera? Right. Uh, I would say that's not that big of a deal because a commitment letter expires due to... And so people know the commitment letter comes right when the loan's approved yep. and you've, you've done your underwriting and you've committed to it and now you're waiting for the board to 
review it, the co-op board or the condo board to review it, and there's a period of time and you have an expiration, right? So Correct. what is a normal expiration on a commitment letter? It, it depends mm-hmm. on the age. Each document that a borrower uh, presents to us is assigned an age. Uh, right. So typically a month, two months, three months sometimes. Right. Uh, and those documents naturally expire. Right. Uh, so what the earliest expiration date is what's put on a commitment letter. And when that document expires, um, that's when the commitment letter expires and we ask for a new piece of documentation, right. such as an updated pay stub, updated bank statement. And once we receive it, we accept so the commitment letter. Deal. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's it's, it's, uh, it's, so it's As a, an agent, I mean, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I would yeah. go to the co-op, the, 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 the seller's agent or the attorney's and be like, guys, my, my buyer's commitment letter is expiring in yeah. a week. Right. I am yet to hear from the co-op board and approval. Right. Get on your horn. Exactly. <laughs> but look, you know, some, some co-op boards will say, but hey, so don't, yeah. you know, I don't want people to know this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, some co-op boards will say, look, uh, we want a commitment letter that's current. Right, right. Uh, as of the date idea. of the interview and that's not a problem mm-hmm. uh, so that's well, a stress yeah. to get out of a buyer's head correct right. um, look you know you always want to make sure that you're up to date in your financials right. um, you want to stay as organized as possible right um, one of the biggest uh, things or recommendations that I could uh, recommend for somebody applying for a loan mm-hmm. is to make sure their credit profile is good uh, go on um, annualcreditreport.com it's a free site you get one annual credit report per year. Without a penalization. On your Without a penalization. It's, yep. it's an inquiry of your own. Um, and you get to see uh, what your credit is like, what your credit history is like. And uh, if you should address any concerns that you may have on your credit report. How long does it take, generally speaking, for me to identify one or two issues in my report, resolve them, and then have that credit report fixed? I guess it depends. Uh, I would say uh, if you're successful at it, mm-hmm. uh, it would probably take you thirty to sixty days. Okay, so you got to okay, get that going gotta, early. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, if you're, if you're looking for or you're starting to look for a home, I would do all my due diligence. Right. Uh, look at it as you going into a deal. Right. Uh, make sure all your financials right. are lined up. Uh, make sure that you have all of your documentation. So banks typically require uh, two months of bank statements, uh, two pay stubs, two recent pay stubs, uh, two years of tax returns, like right. the two, two, two rule. Right. Right. And uh, get as organized as possible. That's the biggest uh, sort of recommendation that I could have because the more organized you are, the more organized a lender is. What about a financial side of it? I mean, what are in terms of debt to income ratio? What kind of what are you looking for these days? Or what's like? Where's the threshold to like? All right, yeah, we're getting a little high here. So it it depends. Every every borrower is different, mm-hmm. um, and every financial scenario is different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to pinpoint a number on it. I would say, uh, generally, forty three percent of your gross monthly income. Uh, can be debt, okay. including the mortgage and uh, and the common charges. Okay. Now that's on the bank side. The I mean, bank now side the co-op boards are most likely going to look for twenty five. Right. And I mean, they look at the whole picture, but twenty twenty five is like the baseline kind of accepted. Right. So it's it's tough on buyers, you know, because they got to pass that co-op board, which is a lot more stringent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Than Absolutely. You guys. Yeah. yeah. Now more than ever, it's you know, everyone wants to make sure that the that the place you're buying you can really afford. Right. 
and uh, forty percent is okay. I mean, I, I I think that that makes a lot of the clients I used to work around the thirty, thirty five, thirty six percent, and it looks like it would work. You know, it's just the co op boards made me concerned. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. And that's actually I want to ask the, the flip side of that question, mm-hmm. which is you know one of the things that in order to get a, a mortgage at least in the city. Your building has to be on an approved list. Yep. In which case, you know, the, the bank has gone through and approved the building's financials, make sure that not people who actually have lent in the building or they've lent to the building live in the building. Yep. And I'm curious, number one, how is the general health of New York City buildings overall? Have you seen that change? And the second is, are there any pitfalls associated with buying in, say, a new development in which you might have a lot of event, a lot of leverage with the developer, but not necessarily on the bank side? They might say, no, yeah. not approved. Look, uh, we're definitely lending in uh, new developments. Mm-hmm. Um, the I would say, as a general market uh, observation, uh, new new developments are definitely new development sales are definitely slower than they were in the past. Um, and you're right, uh, a building does have to be on a uh, list uh, or a database uh, that we have, and it has right. to be uh, approved before we can finance in there. Um, we and and that's one of the recommendations that I would have for a uh, applicant or a buyer as well, because uh, you know I, I would say when you're looking at a condo or a co-op, give your lender a call. Say, hey, I'm yeah. looking at this building. Uh, what do you think? Is right. it approved? Uh, is it approved for financing? Is it uh, is it a good building, etc. Right. Um, financially speaking, uh, I would say that I haven't really seen uh, any kind of uh, movement mm-hmm. in uh, in in a building's approval uh, from a financial standpoint, there, there's, there's been no, uh, no derogatory, yeah. like, uh, you know, we've come down in... Some mass um, blacklist yeah. of buildings coming off. Exactly. A lot of buildings refinanced. Yeah. I mean, let's not yeah. forget, a lot of buildings refinanced heavy, heavy debt loads from 15, 20 years ago, and, and they've done that over the last three, four, five years. And, yeah. and a lot of buildings, the savings on their interest rate alone from the prior one, from the legacy loan, is has really put that building into a good financial. I know, I know, my buddy Paul Nand speaks about the America, mm-hmm. um, and they did the same thing, and it, and it turned the building's health around. I mean, it, it stopped the uh, increment of maintenance increases because that whole heavy line item was was fixed. Sure. Um, just one note on the approved list. Sure. Because um, I remember when I was a transacting broker, um, buyers got to be used caution. Because mm-hmm. buyers have this in the head, all right, there's a big database out there that shows all the buildings that are good and all the buildings that are bad. And mm-hmm. if you're on the approved list, you're good. And if you're not on the approved list, you're bad. Mm-hmm. When you and I both know that if there was not a sale in that building in the last six months with a loan on it, yeah. that could be a trigger to get off the approved list. Something along those lines, right? right? If it's there's a new development. Right. Yeah. There's a number of things, right? There's a number of things that could cause a building to expire off the approved yeah. list. Okay. So if I'm a buyer... Mm-hmm. And I do make that phone call, mm-hmm. which I think is a good call. And I do hear news. I'm sorry, it's not on the approved list. I think it's safe for that buyer to assume that doesn't necessarily mean this building is bad. Right, right, Okay, right. because that's usually the first reaction I used to get is like, all right, the building's not on the approved list. He's like, all right, there's something wrong there. I'm going to all of a sudden bid differently. I'm going to be extra, right. extra um, diligent in my attorney review. Right. And I try to explain to them, guys, it could just be that there wasn't a loan there in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the requirements. And right. it's, it's in a liquid real estate market. It's not like Wells is doing 10 loans at a building every six months. Right. It doesn't work that way. Right. So understand the situation. And how long 100%. does it take to get on the approved list? Like uh, it depends. Yeah. yeah. Every, every building is different uh, because every building has different nuances. Some buildings have lower pre-sales than others. Uh, some buildings, owner occupancy uh, rates. Owner occupancy mm-hmm. uh, rates. Some buildings are 
rentals uh, have a rental component right. in addition to the condo. Uh, so it, it, every building is different. I would say, generally speaking, if it's a if it's an easy building, it'll mm-hmm. probably take you know thirty days to get approved. Uh, if it's a, a more difficult building, you know, it takes time. Uh, right. I would say you know probably anywhere from. 60 to 90 days uh once we understand the complexity of the situation right i think that overall um banks are cognizant of uh pre-sales being lower um Mm -hmm. at this very time because it's a soft market and it's okay right soft markets happen yeah of course and and they and they present opportunities yeah it's it's real estate at the end of the day that's what you're that's what we're all transacting when I'm financing. Right. Uh, but uh, hey, listen, we're yeah, hearing yeah. from agents that transactions are happening. I'm hearing That's from right. lenders that yeah. loans are happening. Absolutely. It's not like the buyer market seized up. It's not yeah. like the mortgage market seized up. It's just not that. It's just we're in a down cycle. We're in a down cycle. Yeah. And look, you know, it happens. We've all lived through it, yeah. uh, or the majority of us. And you know, I would say there's. I remember back in the day, agents used to say. Uh, these offers are offensive. I can't believe you even made it. Yeah. I would just say like, look, you know, if it's a property and you're, and, and you're looking at it and it's something that you like, make an offer. Yeah. What's the very worst that could happen? Yeah. Nobody, right. Nobody's going to, you know, kill you. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's okay. It may feel like yeah, it may, right, right. you You may not get the deal. Yeah. Okay. It might ruin someone's yeah. day. Exactly. Yeah. You might ruin your day. You, you might not be okay with it. But you'll be all right. You'll be yeah. okay. You'll survive. Like It's <laughs> right. not the end of the day. I want to go back to owner occupancy rate really yeah. quick. Um, when I was back in the day of transacting, it was somewhere around 65, 70% where banks would stop mm-hmm. or, or it would be a problem. Mm-hmm. Where Has that changed over time? You know, I don't recall the exact number that they place on it, right. but they look at it on a building by building. Okay, so it's not a uniform thing. It's not. It, there, there's definitely some uniformity to it, and I believe it's maybe fifty percent okay. of uh, of all uh, units must be owner occupied. Maybe fifty one percent. But they they look at it as they try to look at it as a holistic thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, look, are we in a building where do we want to be in a building where most units are held for investment purposes right. and in a historically in a uh, corrective market or in a recession the first units or the first type of loans that go bad mm-hmm. are the ones that are investments right, right. Uh, because second the homes, second homes right. yeah second homes go next and right. then pro- followed by speculative primary. investors right? it's, a, it's speculative because you're you're more likely to leave your investment than you are your primary home of course right so and, and, and lenders realize that and uh, right. you know the they, they look at it on a, definitely on a, on a building-by-building building basis. Yeah, I would think that would improve owner occupancy over time. Actually, a slowdown would root out all those you know, people that need to you know, um, liquidate and, and raise yeah. money, and they, those are the first to go. Yeah. Um, very interesting stuff. Uh, very interesting stuff. What about rates? Where, give me some idea. Are they doing 10-year arms now? What are they doing? How far out? Uh, ten year is the longest that we here do. Yeah, okay. ten one arms. Do you uh, do you have like an updated uh, idea of where tens are, sevens, fives, and thirty years? It's on, again on a case by case. Every every borrower gets right. a different uh, interest rate. Right. Uh, of course. I would say that. So uh, this is a broad general. It's a broad okay. generalization. I would say you know, uh, typical thirty year fixed uh, is probably somewhere or trading probably somewhere around four point one two five. Non jumbo, jumbo. Jumbo. Okay. Jumbo. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, in Manhattan, we we do just over four. You know, yeah, just over four. Manhattan and that's come down a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, I would say in the past two weeks, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely been a bit of a Good. corrective. Yeah. Uh, you you saw some downward pressure on interest rates. Uh, 
it's probably most uh, likely tied to um, the general observation that you've seen from the Fed speakers saying, right. you know, that there may be two interest rates, right. uh, two, two interest rate hikes versus four as most market participants have priced in. Right. So you've seen a bit of a correction recently as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, you know, uh, again, I would reiterate that, uh, look, the lowest interest rate that I've seen mm-hmm. uh, on, let's say, a 10-1 arm yeah. historically mm-hmm. was probably, I don't know, two and a half percent. But that was so, a couple of years ago. That was, that was yeah, that was probably two, three years ago. Okay, where's that at now? That's probably at, let's say, Three and a half percent right now. Three and three in a ten-year arm at three and a half percent. So yeah, so like, like like people don't. So some people don't realize that. Like if you take if you actually take a step back and, yeah. and do a little bit of a breather. Yeah. You're paying. Let's say you take out a mortgage of a million dollars. You're paying three and a half percent. On a million dollars. Mm-hmm. It's almost free. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's it's not not necessarily free, but yeah. it's but it's you know it's, I it's think, cheap. I think. <laughs> Buyers, um, well, first of all, buyers are are wise to use everything they have to leverage their situation. That's understandable. But I think buyers are very short-term sighted. Mm, And all they really care about is that a year and a half. Yeah, but a year and a half ago, I could have gotten two and a half percent. Right, right, right. Now I I can't deduct my interest. Even though I wasn't buying a year and a half ago. Right, right, right. It's went up, so that price got to come down. You know, true, I mean, it's like... true, true. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, I should, I should also underline that. Look, these rates, uh, they come with their own APRs, and right. um, the the APRs have to be quoted with the interest rate. So APRs are different in that uh, you have to include closing costs and amortize them over thirty years. It's right. an entire equation that goes to it. So let's say a a, a 10-1 arm is at three and a half percent. The APR might be more like four gotcha. percent, because the actual cost of borrowing over over a thirty-year period of time right. is higher. Right. Um, All right. So buyers need to talk to their 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 lenders, and they yep. need to understand every part of this equation and do it early. Mm-hmm. Check your check your credit report. Start fixing your stuff months before you get in the process, or at least right. make sure that it's up to par with what you think right. is uh, your credit history. And let's be clear: yeah. you put a little bit of effort in it now, your rate could be lower. Because your credit, you're in a different credit category. Yeah, because you're yeah. yeah. By the time you're applying for a rate, it's too late. You, you can't just call your private banker and say, "Oh, ignore that line on my credit right, report." I don't right. think that's exactly. Exactly. That exactly. And 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 again, like as a general statement, I would say that uh, the uh, the higher your credit score, the lower the interest rate. Right. The banks are very much uh, credit driven. Right. We make sure that uh, we is that the biggest that, thing, yeah. and then it looks at employment history and then assets. Well, when determining an, uh, determining an interest rate, uh, the primary factors that go into it are credit score, mm-hmm. uh, LTV, mm-hmm. so how much financing you're taking, uh, loan amount, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you gotta meet that income ratio and stuff like that. That income ratio is actually not a factor really? in in, uh, in quoting for at least for us here right. at Wells. Uh, we you know we, we look at it more of a as a as a credit worthiness, right? So uh, it's like a red flag once it gets over this element, kind of thing. Correct. It doesn't matter if you're thirty or twenty five. That doesn't matter. Yeah, debt uh, income is not a factor in determining right. well, it. I think, I think loan yeah. to value kind of takes it's it's more of a, a, a telling sign than debt to income at that point. Absolutely, because it's a it's a risk factor. You know, how much how much how much skin do you have in the game? Right. Sort of. You know, if you're if you have twenty percent, we'll give you a rate for twenty percent. If you're if you're willing to put in an additional ten percent, so that we're at seventy, you're at thirty. We'll give you a bit of a lower. That's per, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, are there a lot of cash deals happening right now? I would I know say, that you. I mean, do you see, I, I don't mean, know if you'd see them. But I, I know you would see, but like, is there any way do you feel, do you feel it or? You know, I have uh, being in the industry for for this long. You know, you're 
you come across many agents yeah. and, uh, and have a lot of agents that are friends and um, real estate agents, uh, right. to be clear. And um, from what they tell me, uh, there's definitely more cash deals in the higher end sector mm-hmm. uh, or, or higher price points, um, but they're not transacting as much right. uh, as many of you have seen. Um, but I feel like that's going to change at right. some point because at some point those $12 million, $15 million properties with a 10, 20, 30% discount, they start to get attractive. Right. Um, and it's if, just, you're paying, if you're yeah. paying cash, that's when you get that 15, 20. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Gotcha. Very interesting stuff. Um, any final points that you want to have? No, I, I, one thing I'd be curious about is, you know, you look back over your career, I'm just curious, you know, we talked about, um, your, your credit scores. I'm just curious, do you see credit scores evolving as we're going over these 12 years? Are they getting stronger, weaker for different, different, from different price points in the market? I mean, or is it basically we're, we're looking at only the, the best credit scores? Are getting these loans in, in Manhattan for jumbos and things like that? No, I would say we, we definitely have a product for every type of uh, credit score and every type of borrower. Um, I, 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 I don't know if I can make a general observation as to uh, credit scores being higher mm-hmm. over the past 10 years, but I would definitely say that uh, people uh, in general are more cognizant of their credit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the day, I remember pulling a credit report and seeing 15 inquiries from 15 different banks and uh, and as a result of that, the credit score goes down. So just to backtrack, every time that a lender pulls your credit, uh, your score can decrease by a certain amount of points. Mm-hmm. It varies from person to person. Um, nowadays, you really, you, you see some inquiries, you, you, you don't see that many because mm-hmm. people don't want their credit report exactly. being pulled as right. often. Right. Um, and so that that's definitely uh, right. been the case. And also, like we, uh, as a trend, I would say um, technology technology has changed uh, drastically. Uh, you know, back in the day when I actually used to write for Urban Digs, yeah. uh, we had to. Um, I, I don't know if you remember this, but we, I, I had do. to log in, yeah. and when I wrote an article, I had to put in some HTML code to insert the picture, etc. Now. Yeah. You're recording me That's on right. an app, you yeah, know, on your computer. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's 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 definitely been different, and 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 lenders changed like that as well. Right. Uh, we now have a product called uh, online mortgage application. You you can uh, apply for it. Uh, you, when you apply for your mortgage, you can enter your info, and it aggregates all of your bank statements, mm-hmm. maybe even pay stuff, depending on, it's, it's from borrower to borrower, right. from different lenders, right. so that you don't have to provide as much documentation right. on your own. Right. We sometimes do it for yeah. you. Right. Um, so well, we it's a very stressful yeah. process in general, yeah. and I mean, look, there's, there's the agent part of the process, which is the search and the negotiations and the bidding. Yeah. There's the attorney part of the process, obviously you know about that, and then there's the lender part of the process, and right. from a buyer, it could be intimidating. Yeah. So the fact that uh, everything's getting a little more streamlined and technology's coming in, it's all to make everyone's experience a little bit better. hundred so, yeah. percent. Yeah. Just keep the rates low. That's uh, <laughs> listen. If, if 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 I had uh, if I had control over that, yeah. I definitely would not be sitting here. Well, 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 you you got to work to get control. <laughs> exactly. <on>. Exactly. <laughs> Great but, stuff. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Dimitri Spurntov, private mortgage banker at Wells Fargo. This is Noah and John. We're talking Manhattan, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.